All right, well, I'll start back up over again where I was to start with, where I said your pastor is, is not just a supporting pastor, but he's a friend. We've known each other a long time. I was expecting to see him living as one of my neighbors down the road when we went to Scotland, but God had different plans. And so him coming back here and the story of why he came back here uh, to East Longmeadow has always been an encouragement to me. And uh, so God's been good to put us together and put each other in each other's lives. Sometimes you don't always see it. It's what he was just saying here just a bit ago is that God shapes our journey and focuses it sometimes differently than what we see and understand. And I think that's a picture of us behind you, behind us here. Uh, but we'll go on to the next slide here. And I don't know if there's, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll have to look and see. Um, I should, you'd think we've been on furlough for a year. All right, this is the first furlough we've taken together in 20 years. So even after a year of doing this, I'm still kind of going, uh, what am I supposed to do next? You know, so I am just the one that gives everybody hope that if you can do, if you want to do ministry, God can use you. <laughs> he can use me. He can use anybody. Uh, so anyway, remind me again what time we're supposed to be done so I don't go way over. 1245. Is that what you said? Something like that. <laughs> but I think you had the caveat. They'd all leave at like 1115 or something like that. So anyway, is that, is that the right time? So I know where I'm at. Otherwise, I'm one of these missionary types that uh, you never tell me just take as much time as you need because I will. And uh, so anyway, this is a picture of our city of Brecon. This is where we have been for the last 20 years. God took me up on a hillside where I could see this basic view. And I said to God, I said, God, this is the ugliest place I've ever seen in my life. If you want me here, you're going to have to break my heart for it because I don't see it. And so God broke my heart for this little town that's on the east side of Scotland, halfway between Dundee and Aberdeen. And uh, so as God worked in my heart and in my life, I called Ruth that night and I said, we're coming to Brecon. And uh, she said, okay. The start of that journey was a little bit different. It was one of those, God, you're not telling me what to do. And God said, well, you know, I'm slightly bigger than you. I've got a more important plan for your life. And now if you'd asked me if I'd do anything other than ministry, I'd just look at you and go, I can't imagine doing anything but serving the Lord. Because that's what matters. Even if it puts me in this little town called Brecon. Now, the interesting thing about this picture, you see the mountains in the background, I... Well, on a normal day, you don't see those mountains because they're covered with rain clouds. So this was a nice day. And I remember saying to God, God, I was out there looking at this view in the dark on December the, uh, what was it, the 23rd of 2000. And I said, God, if you want me here, you're going to have to break my heart for this place. And he started breaking my heart for that place. And I said, okay, God, here's the deal. If you call me here, I want to have impact into as many lives as I see lights tonight. And so God's keeping score. Thankfully, I don't have to. Anyway, next slide, there will be this one of uh, some baptisms that we've done. And uh, God's been good. We've seen people saved. Uh, in Scotland, if we see two or three people saved, that's a big, big event for us. We see two or three people saved in a year's time. That's, that's awesome. A lot of years we go with absolutely nobody coming to faith. Other times we get a situation where I was at during the middle of COVID where I had a young man sitting in my office and we were talking about some mental health issues, struggles he was going through at that point in his life. 
And I said, well, before you, we, before you head out, let's pray together. I had just got done sharing how he could know Christ as his Savior. We'd talked about what it meant to be a Christian. And I'm praying for this guy, and suddenly he gets rude and interrupts my prayer. Have you ever had anybody interrupt your prayer when you're praying? And then I started listening to what he was praying. And I realized he was pouring his heart out, saying, God, Jesus, be my Savior. And in the process of that, I said, well, it's, not, it's okay you interrupted my prayer. <laughs> but another one I like to talk about is my Margaret. She's the one in the biggest picture there that's off on your right there. Margaret and I got to know each other because I was a chaplain for Brecon City Football Club. And as we got to know each other one day, she says to me, she says, John, I've told my kids when I die, you're going to do my funeral. Okay, that's a bit random, but okay, if that's what you want, that's fine. Well, this went on for a number of years that she reminded me that I was going to do her funeral. I met her son. I met uh, other parts of her family over the years, and she was always reminding me, my kids know that you're doing my funeral. Well, in Easter of 2011, the week before she and I were talking, and she brought that up again. And I said, Margaret, I said, here's the thing. You've never heard me preach. You don't know what I'll preach. And you may not like it when I'm done. So maybe if I'm going to do your funeral, I'm happy to do that. But maybe you ought to come to church at least once and make up your own mind whether you really want me to do your funeral. So Easter Sunday of 2011, she came, started coming to church. She came that first Sunday and she stayed. She never left. Finally, one Sunday, we were having testimony time in the morning service. And as we're doing this, most of the time, it's probably pretty quiet compared to what I'd like. I'd like people bouncing, saying, oh, yeah, here, Jesus is doing this for me. God's answered this prayer. This is what's going on. I just, this and brother. No, that's usually most time, most churches. I don't know if you've done that, Brother John. No, yes. And they all sit there quietly, stunned silence, like they'll talk in the middle of a sermon sometimes, but they won't say what God's doing to bless their lives. You guys have a problem with that sometimes? Tell me what God's doing to bless my life. Oh, it's like, I know God's got to be doing something. Well, Margaret stood up and she says, you know, since I started coming to this church, my life has completely changed. I've never known this kind of peace and joy in my life. And I went, now it's time to talk to Margaret about salvation. And as I spoke with her, she, she did not use any of the normal church language that we would think of because she hadn't been in church for 50 years till she started coming to our church, except for weddings and funerals, of course. So she had no idea what church speak was even about. So I finally said to her, I said, Margaret, do you confess that Jesus Christ is your only way to get to heaven? She says, yeah, I'll do that. I get that. She says, you know all that stuff you say every Sunday morning? I said, yeah. She says, I'm not sure I understand it all, but I believe it all. So at 85 years old, I was able to baptize her, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the challenge for us, Ruth and I, we're about to go back. Wednesday, we fly out of Boston to head back to Scotland. And when I get back, my Margaret won't be there. If I think about that too long, I'll cry, and you don't want to see that. But I'm going to miss my Margaret. It's going to be hard going back and not seeing her smiling face and having her words of encouragement in my life. But I leave you with this thought. She's in heaven with Jesus right now. 
But where would she be if it wasn't for churches like yours being faithful to give to missions? And to give to folks like us that go to a place that God's called us. Where would she be? I don't like to think about that. I don't even like to talk about that. I just rejoice that I'll see her again someday. That's why we've been doing what we do for the last 20 years. That's why we do church. I'm with your pastor. I love church. I think church is probably the most important thing we do. Some days it works. Some days it's not. It doesn't work so well. <laughs> this morning, my daughter went to do our, our service for this morning. I've been preaching every week that I've been here. And I upload the video. My daughter plays it to those that show up. Well, they had four this morning. They had four people show up. And the video didn't want to play. And she said about 11.20, we just gave up and said, let's go home. We'll sing a couple songs, and they went home. The devil's in the techno stuff, so if you got a good techno guy that can keep it running, more power to you, Jonathan. <laughs> but it's just the world we live in. But we do what we do because there's people that need Jesus Christ as Savior. Ruth's going to tell you a little bit about the what and some of the other things about our family as well. Go to the next slide. That was what we looked like in 2002. <laughs> We've changed a little bit since then. If you go to the next one, the last time we were together as a full family was in 2016. And the one way on your left, is that the right yep. way around? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the one way on your left is our oldest son, and that's who we're visiting right now. He lives in Connecticut. He's got a and, point left. Okay. Right here. And the gal in front of him <laughs> is his wife, and the two little blonde girls are his daughters. And like I said, they live in Connecticut. Those blonde little blonde girls now this year are going to be 10 and 12, so they've grown up quite a bit since then. The one getting married is Caleb, and he married a Highland girl named Tina, and they live across the street from us in Brecon. The one right in front of John was actually born in Scotland. That's our youngest. That's Jesse. Somebody introduced themselves today to me as Jessica. I said, that's my youngest one's name. And, uh, but she goes by Jesse. And Jesse just finished her years at college as a um, multi-trades. In other words, she learned how to build brick walls and how and um, paint and things like that she says you know what I liked best mom was bricklaying and I'm good at it she says I might not be able to do it my whole life but for right now it's something I can do so you can pray for JC she hasn't found a job since college so we can pray for her the one on the farthest right is Anna, and she's the one that John was talking about that she has been a joy this year in that um, when John flew over to the States in July of last year, she said, we still have to have church. I need to go someplace to church. How about if you go ahead and preach, Dad, and I'll make sure the church is clean and set up and people can come and I'll put you up on the screen and you can preach to us. And she's made sure that's happened the whole time we've been gone. Anna teaches school at the school where she went to primary school. So she lives down the road from us. The tallest one there, she's six foot two, but she loves to wear high heels and be taller than her dad, is Judy. Now, if you've read our prayer letters over the years, and I want to thank you for being a church that has taken care of us over the years. 
you know, when we were in deputation, it's kind of blurry to me, but there's certain churches that stand out. This was one of them. This is one I remember. So that was good. But if you've read our newsletters over the years, you prayed for Judy. When Judy was at the end of primary school, she got very ill. That was 2008. She stayed ill until 2011, and by that time, she was basically bedridden. And in 2011, I was sitting across from a doctor, and the doctor looked at me and she said, Ruth, the only way this child's gonna get well is by resting. I was saying, she's bedridden. How much more restful can you get? She says, well, Ruth, maybe you need to go to some classes through the NHS and learn about pain management and rest. And I did. But I also got into this book and I studied what God says about rest. And I gotta tell you guys, we don't rest. We don't live the way God intended us to live. And we especially, and I gotta tell you guys something, those of us in ministry are the worst at it. Oh, we just keep going and going and going and we don't stop. And we wear this, you know, dark ring circles under our eyes, like a badge of honor, look how busy I am. I'm serving God, but we don't rest. Like God said, we should rest. I'm happy to tell you that Judy has learned how to control her illness instead of allowing it to control her. And she is in her third year at Napier University in Edinburgh and doing well. And she's 25 now. In 2014, when we were sitting around the table, and of course, rest just kind of kept going up because that was, you know, theme for me by then. One of my girls went, Mom, you've done all this research. Why don't you write a book? I had never thought about writing a book. And in 2020, we had lockdown. We had time. I never finished my book. So I have sold several of these this year. I have 11 books left out there. If you're interested, I sell them basically for a $10 donation here. If you get them on Amazon, they're 15. So, hey, get a deal here. But like I said, I've got 11 of them left. It's first come, first serve type deal. But it's Discovering God's Rest. And it's written like a devotional book. And I explain in there, it's a fast read, but don't read it fast. Take time and learn each discovery as you go. If you go on to the next slide, that's our latest. That's Holly Grace, and I'm going to be home for her second birthday. <laughs> That's Caleb and Tina's little one, and uh, she will be two in November. And we are looking forward to getting some baby hugs there. If you go on to the next one, you know, when John was called into ministry, we were working in within the church, but we had an air conditioning heating business, and things were going well. So when God called John into ministry, I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't totally on board. And I gotta tell you something, he and I are both pastor's kids. So when we were dating, we made this agreement that he would never go into ministry, especially not be a pastor, because I had lived in a fishbowl long enough and I didn't wanna live in a fishbowl any longer. Oh, he said, you don't have to worry about that. Amen. That won't happen. <laughs> so the question he asked when God called him was, will you go with me? I said, yeah, now we're a team. But it wasn't until 1999 
when we took a survey trip through Scotland and I saw one empty church building after another. Church buildings use as barns. Church buildings use as pubs, a bookstore. Church buildings with the doors padlocked and the windows, beautiful stained glass windows broken out of them. And God broke my heart for a people that used to send missionaries to the world and now couldn't be bothered to go to church. Like John said, we've been traveling for a year here in the States. And this is our first full year furlough we've ever taken. This is the first time I've been back for any length of time in the States. And I gotta be honest with you, you know what I'm seeing? One empty church building after another. America is where Scotland was 20 years ago. And I've got a broken heart for America right now. Ironically, God had us buy an old pub hotel building and make it into church. So the ground floor quickly became church and upstairs we moved in. If you go to the next slide, that was our dedication day. And if you go on to the next one, then the work began. Because the guy who owned it last had just flitted. So we threw out seven dumpsters full of trash. And if you go on to the next one, we were able to clean up the function suite enough so that we were able to have our first service in there. We'd been renting a place before this, and this was um, September of 2006 was our first time in that, they have a first time meeting in that building. If you go on to the next one, the building was built in 1826. So it needed a lot of work. And we have taken, as we've had money, we've taken one room after another, and this one was the restaurant room. We took it back to the brick. It's now a, function, it's now a functional room as Sunday school, Bible study, kind of a multi-purpose room. If you go on to the next one, this is the last room we, we did. And as you can see the front of the building, it's just, there's a door, and inside that door is this room. And if you go on to the next one, we finished this room, we gutted it in 2017, and we were able to get it finished in the first part of 2020. This room became John's office. Now let me tell you why that was important. Yes, you had lockdowns. And I know that here in the East, your lockdowns were pretty serious compared to the rest of the United States. <laughs> but I gotta be honest with you, you don't know what a lockdown is. The first lockdown we were in, we started in March, went until the middle of August. We could go out our doors for three reasons. One, a half hour's worth of exercise. Two, to go to the grocery store once a week. Three, to go see a doctor. That was it. In a place where people would congregate on the street, as you saw, our buildings, it's city center. We're used to seeing people outside our front door all the time, sitting and talking to each other. They weren't allowed to do that. Margaret had broken her hip, and it, I had taken it upon myself to go down and check on her every day. I had to get a card from the console with permission to go see Margaret. 
When we went into our second lockdown, they realized that the lockdown had really made a difference in people's mental health and spiritual well-being. And so they gave permission for people to come and speak to a minister. And the people in Brecon learned that if our door was open, that meant John's coffee pot was on. Amen. I came over here in April of 2021 because my dad wasn't well. And I remember calling him up and saying, how was today? <laughs> today was a five coffee pot day. I remember one Monday calling him up saying, how was today? He said, I talked three men out of suicide today. So that one became important. But it's not about the building. If you go to the next slide, we learned early on that if we had functions, if we had meals, if we had something fun to do, people would come. And if you go on to the next one, you see we did kids programs, we did teens programs, we did you know different things just to bring the people in. And if you go on to the next one, this was one of our anniversary Sundays we had. And if you go on to the next one, it shows you how our church is set up now. Well, that was before COVID. And he'll tell you more about COVID than that. If you go on to the next slide, I put this slide on there because I wanted to just remember that we tried to work with all ages. But I especially want to focus on the little one because that was my joy, to work with the kids. We do a summer program, I think you probably do as well, to bring kids in. And every summer that we would do a program, we'd add like one more family to our church because they get used to it and they come. Now we learned too that people would come because they were curious. Then they'd come because they'd say things like, oh, we love the peace that is here. It was getting them to stay with me sometimes, but he can tell you more about that too. But one summer program we did, Little boy stopped me after we were singing songs and went to divide up to classes and he went, Miss, Miss, why are we saying sweary words? Sweary words, what are you talking about? Jesus Christ. That's why we're there. Little boys and girls that don't know that Jesus Christ is more than a swear word. As Ruth said, where Scotland was 20 years ago, the U.S. is very quickly coming to. And it's hard to watch. It's hard to take. It's hard to figure out what can we do about it. And this is where missions become so much important, so of so much importance. Because the challenge is not all of us will be missionaries. But all of us should be missional. Does that make sense? God calls some of us to a period of our lives that he says, I want you to be a missionary. I want you to move cultures. I want you to move country. I want you to pack up everything you have and throw it in a container and move to whatever country it might be. Sometimes in that journey, God changes everything, doesn't he? We had a vision. We had an idea. And God says, nope, that's not what I want for you now. I've got a different place but you still have to be missional. You still have to have a heartbeat to reach out to the world. There's a couple more slides. Just go to the next one real quick. It's just one that 
has details of us than the next one. Uh, I want this one. This is the one I want. This is the verse I want to leave us with this morning because this is so, so, so important. So read with me. It says, with all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. That is Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. I could spend all day trying to work through the book of Colossians because it's so amazing. Colossians, Ephesians are like twin brothers, twin sisters, uh, kissing cousins, whatever way you want to look at it. They are so interlinked in their relationship to each other. It's amazing. But I had just finished preaching through Colossians as I was coming back to the States for this furlough, and this verse jumped out at me, jumped out at my wife. And so we have used it a lot because it says so much about us and about our world. First of all, we need your prayers. We've needed your prayers. As Ruth said, I think most of you here, if you've read our prayer letters, you'll know a lot of our life. And you've been praying for us. I hope you pray for us. Some of you will pray, dear God, bless the missionary. And that's as far as you've gone with your prayer life for missionaries. If that's what you do, don't stop. Okay? If all you do is just in the middle of your prayer, you say, God bless the missionaries. Amen. Great. At least keep doing that. But we need more. Your other missionaries need more. Your pastor needs more. You need more. Because what does it say? It says, with all, praying also for us. It's not just me. It's not just Ruth. It's us praying for each other. It's important. It matters because we don't do anything in the Christian kingdom without prayer. And hold your hand up if you're the world's greatest prayer. Prayer. Hide mine quick. I don't know about you, but I struggle with it. I wrestle with it. There are those moments when I'm in, in, in deep prayer and God is doing something amazing, talking to me more than I'm talking to him. And suddenly I feel like I'm at the throne room of God and I've got my hands right there on the horns of the altar. And if I know if I'd open my eyes up and open them and look up, I would see God. We get those moments. If you haven't been there, start praying more. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm human. I'm, I'm really a lousy prayer, as I say. I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world. The, all they'll put on my tombstone is John Bergen. Give my dates of birth, and he'll say he was crazy, but he loved Jesus. Now, I don't get much other right with this Christian thing, I, but I do really try to love Jesus. And therefore, I like to talk to him. I like to pray. I'm horrible at it, but I keep trying. But if you're looking for words to pray specifically for those that are in ministry, for your missionaries especially, this is what he says, praying for us. What's the prayer? That God would open unto us a door of utterance. Add that to God bless the missionaries and open a door of utterance for them. Why? We need it. Our life is over the last few years, even starting pre-COVID, has been that there is a short window of opportunity, and we had opportunities more than we had time in the day to keep up with. We had activities every day that we went to and that we were into the community in this area, that area, the other thing, 
And one by one, doors started closing. They started easing shut, and I had to kind of, ooh, get let me in here quick before the door closes kind of moments. And then COVID hit. The end of the world. Everybody's going to die, right? Did you all hear that over here too? We were all going to die if we didn't do all these magic rituals to keep people happy. Some of them worked. Some of them, we're still trying to figure out what's going on, right? Or am I the only one? Maybe I'm just a nutcase that's a skeptic. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just, I'm just a skeptic. That's all I can say. Lived around stuff too many years. And so the doors just slammed shut behind us. And I couldn't even go out my front door. Drew said she had to have a little permit tag that she had to carry with her just in case the police saw her out walking and decided to ask her what she was doing out. That's what we were living under. So for six months, I basically, I didn't leave the house or the office or anything. I lived on my phone, which was a great tool, but a great nightmare as well. The doors of utterance were closed. I had to figure out how to do video church service. I didn't know how to do that. I was still not sure I know how to do that. But we did the best we could with what we had to work with. And God was gracious, as I said, in the middle of it, had a young man accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. So God's still at work even in the midst of closed doors. But we need more open doors. And so I've been asking people to pray, God, open doors for us. It's interesting to see how the doors are opening in a completely different direction than I ever expected. But it's God's door. And each of us, in each of our lives, no matter what you think your door is right now, right today, you have to pursue the open door that God gives unto you. Why? Because we need to speak the mystery of Christ. It doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter for my wife. We know we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The challenge is we live in a world, and I haven't spent a lot of time out and about. Well, I've been up here visiting my son down here. He's down in Connecticut, but I suspect it's not too far away, so I suspect the mindset's pretty similar. When I talk to people here, I'm getting exactly the same response that I got when I first moved to Scotland. But what brings you here? Well, I'm a Baptist minister. <laughs> down come the shutters. Down comes the wall. Down comes the, I'm getting out of this conversation as quick as I can. And you probably find the same thing when it comes up in the conversation. It comes up, well, I'm a Christian. Well, what's that mean? It means I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Slam. You all face that or tell me I'm not alone here. You are right where we were 20 years ago. And at the rate things are going, you're going to leave us behind very quickly. We need to all be praying for each other that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ. Why does the shutter come down? Why does the wall come down? I'll tell you, it's because they don't know who Jesus Christ is. If you this morning say you have not heard the gospel, if you've been, unless you're a first-time visitor, I'm going to tell you, you have heard the gospel. I listen to your preacher every now and again. Just make sure he's still preaching like he should. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the preaching from this church. 
You guys hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not a mystery if you've been here more than once. But for so much of the world outside these doors and windows that are around here, so much of the people that drive by on the street out here, Jesus Christ is absolutely a mystery. Now let me tell you something about mysteries. Mystery is not an unknowable. Y'all watch NCIS, CSI, Columbo? Anybody Columbo fans? Kojak? Kojak? Yeah, you better like Kojak. <laughs> you a Kojak fan? You ought to be. <laughs> Go dig into the archives. This is, this is early 70s stuff, buddy. <laughs> you weren't even born then, I was guessing. <laughs> but the point of it is this. At the end of the show, we know who done it, how they did it, and I like to know why they did it as well. <laughs> but for most of the people, it's a mystery of Christ. We've read the book. I know why he did it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know what the answer is. The answer is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. I've also read the very last chapter of the book that says, even so come Lord Jesus. The gospel is tied up in the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the coming of Jesus Christ. This is our hope. When we can share this with the world, it unravels the mystery of Christ, and then it's up to the individuals whether they will accept it or whether they will run from it. That is not my problem. That is not your problem. Our problem is God opened to us a door of utterance so that we may make known the mystery of Jesus Christ and unravel the mystery. That's what my life's about. That's what your life should be about. That's what your missionaries' lives should be about. That's why we pray for each other. God, open for us a door of utterance so that we may speak the mystery of Jesus Christ. Our dearly Father's pastor comes now. I pray that you will speak to our hearts. You will bless our hearts. You remind us that we have a people in our world, people in our lives, people that we work with, that we play with, that we go to school with, that we do activities all around us that need to know the answer to the mystery of Jesus Christ. Father God, make that revealed to our hearts enough so that we really believe that this is the absolute essential thing that people need, that they need you. Remind us that we need you. And that in knowing that, our hearts are broken for the people around us. That we can give to them the answer to the mystery of who Jesus Christ is. And that you will go before us, that you will break hearts, mold lives, so that when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would want to know more than they do right now. Father God, do your work in each of our hearts so that we can be your witnesses into the world as you have called us to do. This I pray in Jesus' name.